you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric B. Addison's. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erina Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sweet Victory and Jay Macro on tap to help us navigate the show. And boy, do we appreciate them and all of the hard work that they do yes. behind the scenes to help us carry out what we do um, on this part or this end of the microphone. So we really do, really do appreciate them. That's right. Um, today, we're going to talk about leadership failures in the church and how the church responds to that. We're going to look at um, the the legal implications of churches failing to apply God's word uh, when we have scandals that happen in church. Um, and there's this idea that, and it seems to be pervasive, but there's this idea that if we just pretend that this is not happening, or if we just um, try to protect the predators, try to protect the people who are failing, mm-hmm. then we will protect the entire ministry mm-hmm. or the entire congregation. And that just isn't true. You've got right. to expose wickedness. You've got to expose sin. Um, and that's a, a problem. It's it's a rampant failure. Uh, and we've got the headlines to, to prove that or to confirm that. Uh, also joining us today on the program in the second and third segments will be Teresa Sidebotham, who is the founder of Teleos Law. And she's going to walk us through the missteps and the failures of ministries and congregations that choose to ignore um, the failures of their leaders, yeah. thinking yeah. that they're doing something good. And and so what mm. I want to do in this first segment is I just want to turn to God's word before we get into the legalities of all of the conversation that Amen. are necessary. I want to turn to God's word because as you hear us daily on this program, mm-hmm. our, our, um, what our declaration is that the word of God is sufficient, Amen. that the word that if we yes. would just if we would turn to the Bible, there are certain things that we could avoid. Um, and there are other things that even as we see the culture has has overwhelmingly secularized, like there are things that right. just become unavoidable. The world is not going to like church discipline. But again, when in the history of the church have we cared about what the world likes? <laughs> like we don't care. You understand what we care about is pleasing the Lord. What we care That's about. That's what we should care about. Amen. You know, <laughs> but it seems like yeah. we get sucked in into, you know, man pleasing and trying to be in good with the world and. The results we get are catastrophic, man. They're catastrophic, man. Great word, yeah. And that's that's what we're dealing with. That's what we're looking at. Um, you know, it's recently in the news is Hillsong, but that's it, mm. not the only church. I mean, you look at these congregations, and they're just almost the leadership, and those who protect the leadership are just dropping like flies. Uh, before I do that, let me make two announcements. We are looking forward to being in North Carolina for the Unashamed Camp. We'll be there for an entire week at the Refuge in North Carolina. And there are still a few more spots remaining yes. for your young people who want to join us. This would be 7th, 8th grade up to, I think, graduated um, high school, mm. I think is the, the, the cutoff age there. 
And so you can learn more by going to ncrefuge.org, ncrefuge.org. Just a handful of spots remain for this uh, week-long apologetics conference where we're going to look at everything that's happening in the culture. And over the course of the week, we're just going to break these things down. We're going to talk about biblical womanhood and biblical manhood. We're going to talk about critical race theory. We're going to talk about human sexuality sexual identity. We're going to talk about the role of the church in culture and how we stand and how the Bible, the word of God is totally sufficient. So it's going to be replete with scripture. We will give a biblical defense for where we stand in culture. And, um, and so anyway, you can learn more by going to ncrefuge.org. Also in this month, it is so important for us to remember that what we are dealing with, it's not just Uh, cultural ideologies, but we are really dealing with spiritual wickedness when we talk about the sexual brokenness of people among us. Mm. And so this is the perfect opportunity for we, for us here at the American Family Association to remind you that there are resources to help you respond to the culture lovingly, Mm -hmm. but assertively. Like we don't, we don't cower. We're not asking permission to tell the truth about who God is. Uh, There are so many of us though. There are so many of us who are just like, we don't know where to begin. We, we don't, we have not, Um, kind of studied up, we've not read, we've not watched, and so we don't know how to respond. And so, of course, we here at the American Family Association want to provide the tools and the resources for you to be able to do that. And there are two that we are making available to you this month um, at no cost to you, um, streaming on our platform, streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. If you go there, then you'll be able to stream Practical Ways to Minister to the Sexually Broken. It's a piece that is uh, hosted or facilitated by Stephen Black and Laura Lee Stanlake. And so that's going to be something you want to take advantage of. And then also the theological era of gay Christianity. Mm. Again, with Stephen Black and M.D. Perkins. M.D. Perkins making a huge contribution to the body of Christ in his recent work as he uncovers the wickedness of so-called gay Christianity attempting and in some instances, successfully infiltrating the church. Mm. These are things that we cannot ignore. We, we, we cannot ignore. We've got to be able to respond. We've got to look at what's happening in the culture, and then we've got to show up with truth. That's right. And so we want to help you do that. So if you go to streaming.afa.net, you will find those resources available for you this month uh, for free. So just check that out, streaming.afa.net. We get so many emails um, where people are like, hey, I want to, I want to discuss this or I want to, but I don't know where to begin. I don't know. And so what I say is just begin. You got to take the first step where you start to, um, to consume some content Mm -hmm. and some information that allows you to be able to respond. And then you just build from there. It's, it's, you're not going to wake up one day and have all of the answers, right? right? You build that over time. You build that over time, not only with, uh, allowing or, creating the time, (laughs) creating Mm -hmm. the time for you to be able to consume content that's going to bolster your position, your biblical position, but it also is spending time in God's word. It's, it's being able to discern and to know how we respond in certain situations because we have been uh, in intimate fellowship with the Lord and the Lord speaks to us. The Lord does not want us just sort of out here left to ourselves, calling audible, just making it up as we go. Hmm. He's given us his eternal word, which is reliable. And so I would encourage you to check that out. All right. Now getting into um, content for today, (laughs) leadership failures in the church. As I was looking at the content that we were planning to discuss, are planning to discuss and um, some of the stories, one of the things that uh, came to my mind that I I wanted to look at and the Holy spirit reminded me of um, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians and how there was such division 
and the Corinthian church and what they were dealing with really was something that we still deal with in the church. But I'm going to say, and, and you'll see the connection that I'm making here. I think some, in some ways, what we are dealing with in the church that they were dealing with in the Corinthian church has exploded in 21st century America and has given way to a lot of the sexual misconduct that we see happening in the church today. And so let me bring those two together. The Apostle Paul was addressing this cult of personality, this celebrity status that we are so like prone to ascribe to people. We don't recognize this, right? But we really are created to worship. Mm. And so when there is a vacuum, when we have not fully submitted ourselves to the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ, anyone and anything can come into that vacuum. And then we find ourselves, and this is what is frightening to me, even in the context of the church, looking for someone other than Christ to worship, looking for someone other than Christ to exalt, because you just have not found him to be sufficient in fulfilling that need. There's something that is inside us that we feel better to be associated with people who have status. But I want to say something that's that's um, if it can be worse than what was going on in the Corinthian church. You know, I don't know. That's debatable. But I would say this. The problem is, as I as I read Paul's uh, admonition to the Corinthian church, I see Paul putting himself in this situation and rejecting this celebrity status. I see Paul as an apostle to the church, Mm -hmm. overseeing the church, caring for the church, loving the church, at the same time recognizing that there were people who would put him in the same category of like the Apollos, right? Saying, so I follow this one, I follow that one. And the apostle Paul, you see, vehemently rejects that. Mm. The concern that I have today, and this is ongoing, this is why everywhere that the Addisons are, you hear us constantly talking about the fact that we're in the family of God. Amen. We are in the family of God. This idea of celebrity that we, you know, we, this idea of making men that we then worship or women, whatever that we then worship. And we say, these are our leaders. These are the people that we look to. It has left the church really vulnerable. And so you've got wicked men who are wolves who have Mm. been able to do great harm to the church. Mm. Why? Because we so value their celebrity Mm. that we dare not disrupt it by telling the truth or bringing church discipline. And, you know, it's too prone because you do a disservice to the leader. By exalting them, yes, you know, because you put them in a place where of temptation Come by on. by you know heaping up praises to them, yes, you know because of maybe you know what they can do or how they can speak or how because they can they sing speak well or whatever or they it sing is, well, you know, or and they're so, charismatic, exactly. So even you know people who are um, just in churches or members and you know, man, let's not exalt man above what. He belongs, you know, where he belongs, you know, because we we put them at a risk of being tempted by the the evil one. And and we can help that by not doing that, by praising God. That's exactly right. And that that requires self-control. It requires self-control. And it requires saying no to the current cultural climate. Right. And and I say, you know, it's the current culture, but it's been the climate of the church for a long time. This is what Paul is addressing in his letter to the Corinthians. And let me just read this before we run out of time in this first segment. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 10, right? The Bible is totally sufficient. Amen. It has everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. Like you're... I dare you to try to stump the scriptures, right? I dare you. Okay, so here we go. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 10. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and the same judgment. Mm-hmm. 
For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now, I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, and I of Christ. So there, so think about this. There are people who are talking about this. These are who, these are my people. <laughs> right, right, right. These are right. my people. I'm, 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 a, I'm a Chuck Smith guy, the late Chuck Smith, right? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a J. Vernon McGee guy. Right. Okay. <laughs> Right. I'm a I'm a uh, John MacArthur guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a whatever. Just just pick your your person. Yeah. This is happening today, guys. And we don't recognize it because we're like, but those people are biblically sound. But that does not mean that you worship them. Amen. That does not mean that you look to hear what they say on an issue before you turn to the word of God. God wants us to trust his word. He has given us teachers. He has given us pastors. He's given us elders and overseers to aid in our understanding of his word. But do you understand, do you recognize that the Lord causes his spirit to indwell you? So the author of the scripture, you, you think about a sit down with the writer of a book and you say, well, I would really like to know what that author thought when he wrote this. I'd, I'd like to know. And the author of the scriptures indwells you. Mm, so, so but, 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 but there's a laziness among us that we are like. Well, I don't know. I just can't understand it. So then we just, you know, let your fingers do the walk-in today. That's on your computer, your phone, whatever. And you just, I'll just Google a quick answer. Mm -hmm. I'll just get a quick, rather than sit with God's word, there is relationship that is built mm -hmm. when we sit with God's word and we say, Holy Spirit, like, I, I want to understand this. Lord, would you open my eyes? Help me to cross-reference these scriptures. Help me to make the connections. Show me, Lord what you intend for me to draw out of the scriptures, not, not, not read into the scriptures, mm -hmm. what you intend for me to draw out of the scriptures, Lord, what do you want me to know about you? What do you want me to know about mankind and our need for a savior? What do you want me to know about my own sinful condition? Mm -hmm. But we don't ask the Lord these things because we've got our celebrities. We've got our favorites mm -hmm. and we feel like, well, if they've already spoken to it, then I don't need to go to God's word. I don't, I don't need to read it for myself. And so we find ourselves, what we end up doing is that we end up quoting teachers mm. rather than quoting God's word. And there are right. some people who find that a little more reliable than God's word. Come on. What I'm saying is we've been, we've been duped and there is sin rampant in the church because we have not loved God's word. Rather, we have loved those who teach it and we mm. think those are the same thing. Mm. That's not the same thing, guys. You mm. can read a million self-help books. That's not a substitute for God's word. Only God's word is God's word. And if, if I could stress anything for the duration of this program today, return to a love for the word of God. As we see churches just going sideways, left and right, return and be anchored in God's word, in his word. All right. Aaron, the Addison's American Family Radio. When we come back on the other side of the break, uh, Teresa Sidebottom of Talios Law joins us. So stay right there. I speak the name of Jesus over you In your hurting, in your sorrow I will ask my God to move I speak the name cause it's all that I can do In desperation I'll seek heaven And pray this for you I pray for your healing the truth doesn't go anywhere just because you cover it up. I don't like you, but I love you. 
Hillsong is a megachurch, and Carl Lentz is the celebrity pastor. Carl is so charming. People idolize him. There is a sense that pastors can be hot. He was so special. It was cool. Carl was this mega superstar. And then he just disappeared. You do not want to be in this chair. I cannot stress it enough. You really got I had some major lies. He said, I have been unfaithful. Carl was fired by Bullsong leader Brian Houston. But there was something larger happening at this church. People were putting things together. Brian's unraveling was bound to happen. They were protecting something. What are they protecting? Brian's pushing people to the limit. Hillsong culture is loyalty to Hillsong. There was a series of violent criminal acts against children. Did you cover up your father's sex abuse? They had meetings about not telling anyone. It's child abuse, labor abuse, sexual assault. We are fearful of what is ahead. I've never seen anything like this. This is a church we're talking about. Welcome back. Oh, my goodness. That's the trailer from the uh, Hulu series that came out last mm. month, The Secrets of Hillsong. And that I mean, that's just a drop in the bucket. Though. I didn't like, even know that was coming out. Yeah, <laughs> wow. it came out last month. That's wow. just a drop in the bucket. Um, and it's just kind of scratching the surface of the failures that we see in leadership Goodness. in today's churches and ministry. Gripping, isn't it, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're not going to be able to watch it. We don't have Hulu. But I'm just saying it's <laughs> it's one of those things where there are so many people and, and right on point with what I was talking about in the last segment that our churches and our ministry organizations are overwhelmingly driven by celebrity. They are mm. overwhelmingly driven by this cult of personality that yeah. we just have people who are too loved to be rebuked, you wow. know, too loved to be corrected or to be challenged. According to God's word, I'm not talking about my personal preference. I might say, I don't like your jeans that tight, but you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm talking about moral <laughs> failures happening that are overlooked because of people's celebrity. Yeah. Joining us today to talk about dealing with leadership failures in the church, um, the spiritual and legal implications of that is Teresa Sidebotham, who is the founder of the law firm Teleos Law, Teleos Law, P-L-L-C. I say law firm. I don't know if I'm describing that correctly. Teresa will help me and set me straight. Teresa, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Well, tell us a little bit about Teleos Law. Tell us what you guys do and, and why you decided it was necessary to do it. So, yes, we we are a law firm. We work not just with ministries, but uh, primarily with ministries. And you know, what we're seeing now, the, the church is getting a lot of attacks from the outside culture. And, you know, there's some great groups that deal primarily with that. But the, the other piece of it is, is these attacks from within the church, mm-hmm. um, the leadership problems, the misconduct allegations, the, the way people hurt each other in the church. And, and for the church to really be a witness to the culture, for it to honor the name of Jesus Christ, 
we have got to figure that stuff out. And that's yeah. a huge part of what Telia's Law does in its practice. Let's talk practically just a little bit. And we, we may kind of bounce back and forth because I want to talk about some of these current events and talk about the wisdom that you guys provide for congregations and for ministry organizations. But also, let, let's just kind of talk practically what your what your firm does. So what kind of aid do you provide for church congregations and for ministry organizations? So we'll often get a call when there's been you know, some kind of allegation of misconduct. It might be related to child abuse. It might be spiritual abuse. It might be racial discrimination issues, sexual harassment. And, and the leaders want to figure out how to handle it. So we might take one of several different roles. You know, one might be advising them on how to walk through it and respond wisely. Sometimes they ask us to come in as an independent third-party investigator and try to find out the truth. They'll interview people, uh, figure out what's going on, look at documents, and then report back to ministry leadership and say, you know, here's what it looks like is going on. Now, what is God calling you to do next for Mm -hmm. accountability, healing, repentance, whatever it is, right? Because it can be a lot of different things depending on what was actually happening. Right, right. Now, Teresa, I want to ask this question, and I mean this with absolute respect uh, to the work that you're doing and, and to your firm and the service that you provide to churches and ministries. But I'm I'm wondering why is it that in today's culture what well, let me let me phrase it this way what is it that I'm missing that the application of God's word mm-hmm. is not sufficient like what <laughs> is it that churches and ministries are not doing um, with God's word that makes it necessary for an independent law firm to come in especially one of your caliber where you're going to instruct them in the eternal truth of God's word. Um, you're going to do that with legal oversight and legal understanding. But, but what is it that churches are missing or what is it that I'm missing? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I think it, it break, the answer breaks down into several parts. One is you know, pastors aren't really trained to deal with these sorts of people problems, you know, problems that may be described as employment law problems or child abuse problems or, you know, all of the kind of discrimination and harassment type problems, they're not trained to deal with it. So to start with, they're confused. They don't really know how to respond. Then there's this other piece, and I think you somewhat talked about it a minute ago, the, the celebrity problem. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the what did you say? You said they're, they're loved too much to be corrected. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's scriptural. I mean, you know, right. we adore our children, but we right. absolutely, before God, need to be correcting them or they're going to live terrible lives. Right. And and then, you know, the scripture gives us a lot of guiding principles, um, for instance, on health, but we might still call in a doctor to give us some of the details on how okay. to handle that well. So, So we're more the one that they call in, okay, we... We know we want to treat people right, but how do we do it? You know, mm. what is the legal guidance? And honestly, a lot of the laws around how to treat people really were originally scripturally based. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the law says you don't discriminate against someone because of their race or because of their sex. But God said it first. You know, he talked yeah. about how male and female should interact in Christ. He said sure. there's no, you know, that every people, language, tribe, and nation will be worshiping at the throne. Right. I mean, if we follow the pattern that God has set, we'll do fine. And, you know, that's why we have Tilius teaches to help train people on the scriptural and also the legal principles. And then we have Tellius Law, which is often more of a response Mm -hmm. (laughs) when when someone may have gotten it wrong. Mm -hmm. What is the two-step that I don't understand that churches and ministry organizations are commonly navigating when they fail to act? Like when you've you've got a congregation that it comes to light, um, you've got decades of abuse or you've got years of abuse. And and then you've got this information that comes to light. It's made public. It's covered by like the Christian Post or something like that. And then and, and the information that usually comes out is that there were other people who went to church leadership. There were other people who went to pastors and said, this is what happened to me or this is how I'm being uh, controlled or this is how I'm being manipulated. And then you learn, and it seems to me that it's like a consistent theme that the churches knew, the leadership knew, but they just felt like it would it would damage them to act. Help me understand that two-step that they feel they're playing and even why that's dangerous and um, ultimately dishonors the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, I think an analogy that will help everybody understand it is if we compare a church to a family. So in a healthy family, if someone does something wrong or, you know, maybe you find your kids using pot or drinking or whatever the issue is, a healthy family will confront it, bring it out in the open, get help, get counseling. They won't sweep it under the rug or play games or pretend it never happened or, you know, be enmeshed or be in denial. And, and a lot of families aren't healthy, and they don't handle it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, similarly with churches, you know, I know it feels like from the news that they always get it wrong, and, and that's not actually true. There, mm-hmm. there are a lot of healthy churches who Amen. Yeah. face it, confront it, deal with it, engage in healthy church discipline, you know, hold people accountable, and, you know, praise God for them, and you know, maybe they don't need to talk to me, or maybe they talked to me early in the game and followed my advice. Or, you know, I say me, mm-hmm. but you know, people like me. Sure. Uh, but there are a lot of churches that don't. And, you know, I can even tell you once or twice, somebody's called us early on, and we've said, you've got to address it, you've got to investigate it, you know, you've got to have the leader recuse and not be involved. And you're like, yeah, thanks, but maybe not so much. Wow. And you just kind of shake your head, and three years later, sure enough, you're reading about it in the press, and the whole thing has just exploded. And, you know, where they could have disciplined one leader, now it's the whole church or ministry that's in jeopardy because yeah. there was obviously a cover-up, and, you know, a lot more people got hurt. And, and you know, your heart just breaks for the church when that happens. Absolutely. Teresa, what are the kinds of things that, like in the example that you just kind of, you know, used as a as an illustration, like what what are the types of things that, con- that come to you that you say, okay, 
we need a we need a plan, a course of action. I guess what I'm asking here, and I hope that it doesn't sound redundant, but I really am genuinely trying to understand because I'm so like the word of God is sufficient, right? So so here's what I'm trying to understand. When somebody comes to you and they say, This is my this is our scenario, this is what we're facing. Give me an example, obviously without listing an organization or a congregation, but give me an example of the situation that you're presented with where you say, okay, here is where this is going to go if you don't apply God's word in this way. Here is what you need to know about legal practice in America as it pertains to this. And then here is what we recommend that you do. Explain to me the seeds of that. Well, one whole scenario would be around child abuse. So mm. they might call and say, you know, there's, there's been a child abuse allegation. And, you know, and, and then we go into high alert because first there's some mandatory reporting responsibilities. And equally important, we need to make sure all children are currently safe. Mm-hmm. So, so you have to move quite quickly on that. You don't want anybody else to be harmed. And then you need to think about okay, how do we, how do we make sure that other children are safe? Find out, you know, if anything happened. So, you know, who is alleged to have done it? Is it a church leader? Is it a volunteer? Um, how do we work with law enforcement or child protective services? What do we need to do separately from that mm. that might be related to church safety or church discipline? Yeah. And and part of the reason ministries get it wrong is you know, that becomes a complicated process. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the children, child or children involved, like maybe it was child on child, so now you have two children, at least, who are harmed and who need healing approaches and who need to be taken care of. And and if you don't, if you don't know the standards and the experts, even if your heart is right, you might not be able to carry out the right activities. And then sometimes, as we know, sadly, if the person accused is too close, you know, too close to the heart of the ministry and they're not brave enough to deal with it, they might say, oh, no, that couldn't really happen. You know, they must have been right. mistaken. Surely not. And and I think part of where people go wrong there, you know, getting back to the scripture, mm-hmm. You know, I said to a group of pastors once, you all believe in original sin. You know, the, mm, the Bible right. teaches this, Come and on. you're all conservative, and you all believe it. And I said, you know, pardon my saying so, but you kind of act like you don't. Right. And, right. <laughs> and they sort of giggled, you know. But but I hear people, you know, they'll look at this really sketch behavior on, on the part of a, a leader or a pastor, and they'll say, well, no, it couldn't be what it looks like because he's not that kind of guy, and, and and it really couldn't be that. And and you know, we see this. You see this with parents. I bet you've talked to parents. You know, no, no, my little Sally never right. would be doing anything like that. <laughs> exactly right. Through. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so I think we're just as human beings, we just have a hard time facing that the people that we love, well, they are sinners. And and they could be involved in some really awful stuff. We shouldn't put that off the table. Yeah, I think what I what I hear coming from you, and what I think I see, um, I don't know if you'd say exemplified in some of these failures 
uh, is just a lack of trust in God's word. And I think that's what you're touching on. You say you believe God's word, but then you kind of live as if it's insufficient or you live as if you don't. And I think that's what's so concerning to me as I watch these um, continual falls or failures in the church. Uh, When we come back on the other side of the break, I want to talk about your recent book, Handling Allegations in a Ministry, Responses and Investigations. Uh, Teresa Seidbotham is our guest today, Telios Law. Um, We'll take the break and we'll be right back. You are so Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Today we're talking about leadership failures in the church and how to respond to that. Why, asking the question, why are we often so slow to respond to that? And uh, joining us to have this conversation is Teresa Seidbotham, who's the founder of Telios Law Firm. Uh, Their organization, their firm specializes in helping individuals, organizations, not just Christian organizations, but also churches and ministry groups uh, respond and understand the legal implications of responding biblically. I just I just said that. I don't know if that's that's not your mission statement, but I'm just saying that's my understanding. <laughs> that's my understanding of what you guys do cuz I my my I I want to fall back first on God's word and when I talk to believers, I just often want it to be known like that's my line in the sand that the word of God is sufficient. But as I'm talking to you, and I think this was a great point that you made Teresa and you said, you know, listen, we understand that the Bible addresses issues of health, but we we do also have doctors to help us make sense of what's happening in our bodies, and we respect them for that. And the same is true with those in the legal community, um, believers, who recognize that God's word is sufficient, but then also we need to understand the legal ramifications of applying God's word. What does it mean? You know, what are the implications there, ramifications, um, future fallout, if you will. Before we went to the break, I, I was kind of setting up, I wanted to talk about your recent book, Handling allegations in a ministry. And I want you to just kind of outline for some of our listeners, maybe some of our pastors who are listening, some of our ministry leaders who are listening right now. um, What is your great encouragement and warning to ministries and congregations who might be listening in and would see themselves faced with a crisis? So my encouragement would be that if you respond well to a crisis, you really can minister the gospel to people in that. Hmm. You know, I was talking to my I was talking to my mom the other day and she said, "Wow, you're dealing with a lot of really dark stuff." And I said, "Yeah, but given the world that we're in and given the mission that Christ gave the church, every Christian should be dealing with some really dark stuff <laughs> oh, in some way, right? Yeah, yeah. Acting redemptively in the world and so That's right. You know, we all have such, we all have completely different callings, but each person's calling in a way should be to try to root out sin both in ourselves and in the communities we're in and to try to bring light into that. So I want to encourage ministries, if, if, they, if they work on getting it right, there's so much hope that they can be a witness. And, and you start on the prevention side whether it's Artelius Teaches material or working with the Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention, you can do so much to stop child abuse and other forms of abuse. On the warning side, I'd like to say, um, if you get this wrong, it could not 
only destroy your testimony, but it can destroy the whole organization. Right. And it can hurt a lot of people. You know, yeah. people people get hurt by abusers to start with, and that's bad. Mm-hmm. But if they get hurt again by the church refusing to listen and respond and take care of them, that's often what destroys their faith. They can understand that there's an evil person in the world. They can't understand it when Jesus' church doesn't care. Mm, yes, absolutely. You know, I, I'm, I'm listening to you, Teresa, and I'm going... I'm going, Miki, just remember, you're not trained in the law, so you don't understand. <laughs> like so, so the questions that I'm going to ask and I'm going to follow up with, they're going to be questions of a simpleton, okay? But, but I, I listen to this, and, and I think, wow, if, if we had a right uh, fear of the holiness of God and a love for Jesus, I think there's so much that it does not mean that we are going to execute perfectly because we are imperfect people. But I, I tend to think, and I want to get your take on this, Teresa, but I, I tend to think that our starting point is going to be a little bit better because we have as our aim honoring the Lord and seeking his word and saying, okay, how do we move in this situation? I'm wondering from you here at, at this point, if the fear that you often witness or observe in ministries and in congregations is it the fear of the legal backlash or maybe the ignorance that might be present? Or is it the fear of what I would call the social clapback? That it's like, oh, they're going to be ostracized in the right. community. That people are going to say, well, don't go to that church. That's not the cool church. Look at what they did to Carl Lentz, you know, and those genes were great. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I'm wondering yeah. if overwhelmingly what you find is that people just don't know from the legal perspective or they just are unwilling because of the social uh, mm. repercussions. I think it's both because, you know, threats of lawsuits, that can be an existential threat financially, but then, you know, social media, community pressure, that's yeah. also a threat. And I think where they need to refocus, you know, you mentioned holiness a minute ago. God is calling us to holiness, and boy, we all have such a long way to go. Amen. But if we keep that in mind, what the calling is, you know, the Church Law and Tax Group from Christianity Today did a study, and they found that people in ministry, one in six are saying they've been sexually harassed. Now, not, wow. not off in their workplace, but in ministries, mm-hmm. which means there's a real failure of holiness there. That's right. that many people to experience even some level of it. And I think if we're truly seeking holiness, when we hear a low-level allegation, you know, an inappropriate comment or, you know, whatever, we'll be more inspired to deal with it right away rather than wait until it's built up over years and years, and then you find out it's a lot worse than you thought it was. Hmm. What so are some we, of... we need to address it. Absolutely, we do. And, and, and out of, again, the initial fear of the holiness of God, that, that we say we do this and we, we can't ignore it because God is holy, right? And he wants us to be mm-hmm. like him. What are some of the success illustrations that you have for us of the church getting it right? Because I think you said this earlier. I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase what you said. It's not all bad. Like there's a lot of bad that's in the news, but there are so many faithful congregations, and we know because we travel this country and and we are a part of them. And so there are so many faithful congregations. There are so many strong leaders that have been entrusted to oversee the Lord's church in these various areas. And we know that they are striving toward holiness. What examples do you have to share with us that are encouraging to you? 
Yeah, so I've got several examples. Um, I mentioned the Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention a few minutes ago, and that's a brand-new accrediting organization around child safety. And right now they've got a whole bunch of churches and ministries lined up that are getting accredited to show that they practice the, the very highest current standards in keeping children safe within their ministries. And Mm. now that's a huge encouragement. I work with a lot of mission organizations and, you know, back in the day, you know, the eighties, nineties, they didn't really have child protection policies and there's definitely some historic abuse. Um, But there's most of them, well, the ones that I work with, they've, they've got policies in place. They're working with, organizations like Child Safety Protection Network. And when you look at the numbers, you look at the files, um, incidents of child abuse just dropped way down. Most of what they're seeing now is child-on-child, actually, not adult-on-child. Oh, wow. Really solid evidence that these trainings and policies, they're really effective. You you actually can make a huge difference. So that's encouraging. Um, and then in terms of a, a, a personal or a client story that I was involved with that, that is, has been talked about publicly, so I can mention it, there was a historic abuse investigation in the boarding school in Japan that, that I had the honor of coordinating. And as we finished that up, there were, there were five or six mission organizations involved as well as the school and the alumni had been very proactive and, you know, helping us get through the investigation. And then we had a healing retreat, and it would take too long to talk about all of it, but basically uh, organizational representatives came together, some of the alumni who had been wounded came together, and and the leaders of the organization got down on their knees and apologized with tears, and, mm. and that whole room was just broken with sobs and you know you could feel the holy spirit there so as bad as all that is if we can if we can really seek the leading of god he can bring healing you know Teresa, i i just want to go back to something that you said and kind of run a highlighter um over that as well the great was just kind of running a highlighter over to me um when you mention the child abuse that we see happening in churches today and how now um, it's child-on-child abuse in the church. I I, I really can't help but um, make the connection between the sexual indoctrination that's rampant in our culture and in our schools where our children are being robbed of their innocence. And now, if if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that this is a um, type of abuse that is increasing in churches across this country. Did I catch that right? Yeah, in churches and in other ministries, um, you know, other children outside the family, sometimes it's incest within the family. Um, You're Mm -hmm. right that some of it's probably related to stuff kids are picking up in schools, but there's also the porn epidemic, there's broken Mm -hmm. families, there's the parents' behavior. Yes. Then kids who get abused tend to abuse other children. So when you have a situation like that, what, what you really got is two child victims, you know, one is a right. perpetrator victim, one is 
it has been perpetrated on, they both need help. Mm-hmm. And so responding well to that and responding fast enough to get them the help, that makes all the difference in their little lives. Yeah, that's so tragic. Wow. That makes me so sad. You know, I, I think, you know, well, anyway, I'll, I'll save my commentary for when we don't. I want to um, utilize this time that we have well. Uh, but I just will say that makes me very sad. Teresa, as I was mm-hmm. listening to you talk about uh, the response of your firm and the blessing that the Lord allows you to be, I know that there would be some people who are listening who would say, you know, I'm having a hard time even thinking about subjecting my local congregation to the increased scrutiny that would be getting certified in this area or going through all the steps to have some kind of external oversight. I think that there are some people who would be skeptical, who would feel that they put themselves on a radar that they don't want to be on. Uh, what encouragement do you have for them listening? What are the benefits? And what sets your firm, Teleos Law, what sets it apart from maybe some other firms? And I'm not asking you to name them, but just what makes you guys distinct? And if I could be frank, trustworthy for churches who might be listening? Well, I, I don't want to say that we're the only firm. There's some great firms that work with churches. Sure. Um, but what we see as our calling is to help ministries be who God has called them to be. Mm-hmm. You know, another role of an attorney is counselor. And so as well as bringing the legal knowledge and, you know, wisdom and scriptural knowledge, we can talk about, okay, what's God calling you to here? And, you know, how can we go through this? Can Is there some possibility of redemption at the other end? So you know, just seeking the Lord together on, what is the truth, and, and what do we do with it? And, you know, helping them to listen to people who have been harmed. So so I am not about figuring out a way to cover up abuse or make everything right. go away. Yeah. You can only make things all right by going through a process of cleaning them up. You know, in a way you could say, we're, we're janitors for the churches. Wow, wow. <laughs> you yeah. know, we're, we're not yeah. going to cover over the dirt. We're going to help them scrub it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, which I think in the process, like when you're in that, it's probably very uncomfortable, not only for you and your team, but also for the church staff. Because I, I think that there there are the ripple effects of sin that we don't give enough respect to. You know, we, we kind of let these things grow or simmer just beneath the surface, thinking that if we just ignore it or if we kind of like that, it'll just sort of work its way out, you know, just it'll cycle through. But really, I think what you could probably testify to is the fact that these things left unchecked, they don't just work themselves out. Probably they worsen. They they do. And, and of course, another thing that a lot of ministries are afraid of is, a certain number of the allegations are not true. Mm-hmm. And so they're afraid if they get into the hands of an investigation or they bring it into the open that people are going to be unjustly condemned for something they really didn't do. Mm-hmm. So you know, part of what we have to do is bring a fair process. And, you know, we find a lot of abuse and misconduct. And then there's also times when we think it's not there. So mm-hmm. it, it can land all over the map on that. And and it just takes a huge amount of courage for ministries to face it, and they've got to be willing for it to go wherever it goes. Uh, and then that's one, hard. One other question here um, before I, I ask you to remind our listeners of how they can learn more about Teleos. My, my thought is that there may be smaller congregations who think that they don't need the service that would be provided by your 
firm and others, uh, oh, we only got about a minute, would they be mistaken? Yeah, they are mistaken. They at least need to look at prevention and training. Um, so something like our Tellius Teaches program or other good programs, you know, I hope they never need an investigation, but, but they got to make it safe for kids. They, they can't just ignore that. Yeah, very good. Teresa Sidebotham, thank you so much. Teleoslaw.com, T-E-L-I-O-S, teleoslaw.com. You can learn more about her firm and the service that it provides. I just want to wrap up by saying, well, number one, thank you so much, Teresa, for joining us today. But then number two, the word of God is totally sufficient and that we must continue to hold our leaders to a biblical standard first and foremost with respect to the law a biblical standard first and foremost. We're out of time until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.